All right, welcome to This Is Joy. I have Thimby Duncan, and I am so excited to have our guest on today. Uh, she's an intersectional womanist, theater practitioner, practitioner and community gatherer. I love that, by the way. I saw that. I was like, yeah, that is all of them be in so much more. Um, you all heard in the intro her bio. So I'm super excited to bring a woman that I've come become close with and seen her work. And when I say just brilliant in terms of like a leader, I've not I've not seen many leaders that can move a room. And like it's not even I don't want to say like, you know, people say politically correct. Like you can really, when I say community gatherer, what you say in that bio, that is really you. Like you, I've seen you bring so many different people from different backgrounds, economically, race backgrounds, um, ethnicities, culturally come together and really just have a respect in a room, particularly for a black woman. And you are actually the first black woman I'm interviewing on the podcast. Oh, wow. I'm so excited. So this Thank is exciting you. because- you're not only a forerunner and a thought leader, particularly in our field of arts administration and as an artist and a director and a producer, but across the board in terms of leadership, you are A1. So I just wanted to, you know what they say, um, give you your flowers before we start and get, you know, so the audience and the listeners can understand the magnitude of who you are um, as a person, as a human being. And that's for me working directly with you. So I wanted to share that with you before we start. Thank you. I am overwhelmed with gratitude for you saying all these really lovely things about me. And, I, and I'm just grateful that, that that's been your experience. I, I wouldn't want anything less. So I'm, I'm with it. I'm in it. <laughs> yes. And also advocate. I have to put that out there on all fronts because she's advocated for me personally, but also for artists and the community as a whole. So I'm super excited. And I want to start I'm just advocating off. for you this morning. Oh, uh, were you? Oh, yeah. Yes. No, she mentioned Always. I was like, yeah. Naila, I'm sorry. You really need to connect with her. I'll give you her info. Yes. <laughs> that's and that's that's the world of networking, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's really and I will say I do think I don't want to speak for your joy, but I do think that is I have I have seen that I think is a joy of yours is really networking and bringing people together. But I want to start off asking you what is joy? Joy for me, when I think of that question, what is joy? I think of nature. That's always the first thing that comes to my mind. The ocean, a sunset, the clouds, a river. I think of just the ability to sit and watch nature do what it does and to just be in awe at that. That to me is joy. I find joy in that space. And I think that those kinds of things can bring joy to so many different people. Um, I also think, though, that joy is it, as an active. I mean, like, I feel like joy as a noun is those things. But then joy is like, I guess, a verb, right? An active approach to joy is and is the experience of surrendering, the experience of just letting yourself be in a moment, be in a space. You're not judging. You're not overthinking. You're not, you know, caught up inside your mind. You're just present and there's no past and there's no future. There's just this moment. That to me is joy because it's so hard to lock into that when when we have so much going on in our lives. So those are the two kind of manifestations of joy that I would uh, define. Uh, That's so interesting because I don't get a lot of Black folks that talk about nature. 
I don't want to say that they're that we're not connected with nature. I would just say that's not an answer that I've that I typically hear because I do think in some ways we've become disconnected. And granted, that's a whole historical context that we can have on why we don't necessarily want to be outside. Yes. Right. (laughs) Because it really seems like a white practice to be in nature. Like anytime I've had like anytime I I talk to some of my white friends, I'm like, oh, what are you doing? You know, to hang out or find joy. They're like, oh, Mm -hmm. hiking, hiking, yeah, (laughs) swimming, skiing. And it's not to say that black folks don't do that, but we don't typically hear that as an answer. So I think that speaks um, to the oneness that you have with yourself to go back into nature, because so often even in within spiritual texts, it's always kind of connected to this oneness of, you know, surrendering, but also surrendering to what, to what is. Mm-hmm. And what's a, um, I think in connection, a question I have with that is how do you do that? Like, how do you find those moments in nature or how did you get connected to nature as a space for joy? When I was about 15 or 16, my great aunt was in the process of determining who she was going to leave her land to. She she lived in a, a small town in Virginia and there were a bunch of us and she was trying to figure out what she was going to do with her land. She was getting up in age. And in that process, my mom and dad and I went to visit this this piece of land. And for me, it wasn't the first time visiting, but but I hadn't been since I was a small child. So I didn't have the same level of consciousness. But when I went down as a teenager, after doing the teenager stuff that I did in my day-to-day life, which was worrying about your friends, running around, being at the mall and everything, I was able to be out in the middle of, of 10, 20, 30, 40 acres of land, looking in every direction at just openness. And she had all these cows on the property. So the cows would just be mooing and walking around and we'd be hanging out with the cows. And all of that, for whatever reason, became so sacred to me because I was watching this black woman who in her life, I have all these pictures of her that I keep uh, in my home. It's just, she's so cosmopolitan and gorgeous clothes and everything. But she and her husband who had passed away before I was born lived on this farm their whole lives. And there was this interesting dichotomy between the farm life and their trips up to New York City and their trips to the to cities in Virginia, right? And just how well they dressed and good they looked. But then they were still on the farm and the other time. So I, I was like, oh, okay. So you can be a city girl, but you also can be a farm girl. You don't have to mm. choose one. And I think that was the first time I realized that you didn't have to choose between certain geographical locations and you could go anywhere you wanted. That's mm. when I felt okay, so I can be in the country, I can be in the suburbs, I can be in the city, I can, speaking to what you so kindly mentioned earlier about being around all different kinds of people from different backgrounds, I really felt like I could be anywhere with anyone and that I had the right to be there. And I had full ownership of my own presence in any space. And so so there was the pure, again, the noun and the verb, right? There was the pure joy of being able to look at these gigantic animals walking around me that I hadn't really ever been that close to before at that point in my life. And also thinking about what it meant to be able to function in any environment Mm. and to still keep my own joy intact. Am I successful at that always? No, there's a seeking of balance. And when things get out of balance, I feel that. But in terms of discovering and finding joy, I'm always looking for that feeling again. So for me, as I continue to grow into an adult, I just make space in my time and in my life to do that. I'm always 
going to the park. I'm always out, you know, by the water. I'm just always water seeking because usually if I find water, there's uh, there are other the other things that go with it, right? So mm-hmm. I'm I'm just seeking water just to be there, just to be around it. And I and I found that in my teenage years, I began to take my friends to places. There was a lot of natural space in the DC area where I was, a lot of green space. So shifting from always hanging out indoors, I would always be grabbing my friends to go hang out outdoors. Now, when we were little, we did hang out outdoors, right? But the focus was play. The focus wasn't nature. So for this, I would start to make the focus nature with my friends, but let's just hang out at this beautiful place and then, you know, shift the conversation to where we are and how beautiful it is. So that is sort of, that's where it began for me. Mm, You said something so interesting, which is that you're always seeking joy. And that's something that I'm finding in the research in order to have joy consistently in, in, in totality, there has to be a constant seeking because it's always changing based on Mm. what's happening in our lives. And I find that people get their most depressed when they stop seeking joy, even within difficult times. And so most people don't have that connection to nature or to see something that's like the water, like, oh, I'm always going to find and search because it's always going to keep me active in that discovery of joy. And I think that's really something um, for me that connected a little bit deeper than what it has been in terms of data or or collecting um, different stories of joy and how people are finding joy is that you're actively seeking it. So no matter what's happening in your life, it's an active thing that you know, and also that the fact that you can check that you're not in balance. That's a difficulty that I think a lot of people don't have, particularly once they go too far deep into a depression, that they don't, they, they're so out of balance that it feels like it's like you got to fight through a hurricane to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. that That's really profound. I never thought about it like that, but, but I do, you know, if I can reflect on what you're saying, I do start to seek more when I feel worse. It's like I gotta get out. An- another thing, I, as as we're opening this channel up, I th- I think about something that I used to do where I lived before because I had access to it more readily, which is visual art. That visual art is a big thing for me. So I could be in the middle of a work day and have a tough work day, and during my lunch hour, uh, two blocks down was was an art gallery, and then I, I lived near the Smithsonian, so there were all these different museums, so I could walk. Too. And I would do that a lot of times. I would just walk and look at art and that would restore mm. me. So there, there's the creative process and, uh, and other people's creative expression is interesting to me too. That That's as, as restorative or similarly restorative to me as nature, the water and things like that, that bit of creative expression, right? So um, I hear what you're saying in terms of seeking it. Almost like, and this is so interesting because where I work now, there's conversation about social prescribing and the idea Mm -hmm. of people who, instead of prescribing some sort of pharmaceutical for something that ails someone, you're prescribing them to go see theater, you're prescribing them to go experience dance, you're, you're, you know, having them go create visual art and things like that as as a form of healing in addition to other methodologies. And I when I think about how that connects to joy and how, you know, oh, something's wrong, instead of going deeper inside and feeling worse, it's like, oh, I need to do something about it. I need to cut this off and I need to go by the water. I need to go look at art. I need to go having that response, the seeking that you're talking about. That's mm-hmm. really profound. It gives me something to think about. 
And that's so interesting because all those spaces tend to be very white privileged elitist spaces that typically are not for us. But it's interesting because even when we talk about the theater or seeing artwork, there's always some type of story to it. So when you go, it like I always say, I may not be a physician, so I may not be able to physically help people or diagnose people. However, I do feel as an artist that for that hour and a half or two hours that you forget about your pain. And you're forgetting about those difficult times. And art is a healing in that way. It just hasn't been something that has been open to us in spaces. Absolutely. And that's so interesting because to me, you're absolutely correct. And then to me, it connects back to what I said before about how I discovered as a teenager that I, I could go wherever I wanted. So when I go into these spaces, I am fortunate enough to be unburdened by the idea of like, oh, I don't belong here. But a part of the work that I do as a connector is convincing people on both sides of such an equation, right? People who think that other people don't belong there or think only certain people belong in spaces and people who feel like I'm not going to be welcome there. So I'm not going to go. I've functioned as, as a connector of those people and a connector of those experiences in a way that I accept that you're not going to change people's mind frame at the base. But, but if you can get people to change their behavior, that's enough. That it, that it's that it's a form of justice, that it's a form even of reparations in some cases. Mm-hmm. And and I love how you're connecting this for me because I don't think I ever thought about it like that. But I but I feel like the way that I seek joy and then, you know, has led me to, I guess, do this in my career, this sort of making connections, because I know that it is rare for people to feel comfortable in places where traditionally not traditionally, that's not the word. Historically, they have been unwelcome because nobody mm-hmm. wants to feel unwelcome, a lot of times you're just not going to bother versus people like you and I who have ownership of of art. And we say, I'm coming in because this is mine. Right, right. I'm not, I'm not moved by you thinking that it's not mine because I know the truth. I know it's mine. I know I'm not, you know, your, your prejudice or your small mindedness is not going to override me. But that's that I recognize that that's a privilege in and of itself to have had that experience Mm -hmm. and to feel safe doing that in a way that I have spent a lot of time and energy and effort trying to close that gap for other people who completely are like, absolutely not. I don't want to be anywhere near that. That's not for me. And then when they end up inside, they see, oh my gosh, this is incredible. This is what's been hidden from these. This is what's been kept from me. It's like, yeah. And And it's yours. So, right. You know, And I think that's what you do so well, because so often I think social justice and equity diversity can be the point. So sometimes I say it's like equity diversity offices are where things can go to die, (laughs) (laughs) D-I-E, instead of E-D-I, because they don't see that framework in the sense of like everybody's so against each other all the time. But certain things like everything white isn't bad. Right. And I think that's what we have to shift out and white supremacy is, but there's certain things that white people have figured out that has, that can bring them joy in a lot of other places that they have excommunicated us out of. And so that space of you're saying, Mm -hmm. no, 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 we need to be welcome to the, we need to understand what this is too. Right. That's from like financial literacy. And sometimes I don't even like to use that term because you can have single black mothers that can make nothing out of something. And, uh, you know, a person with a credit card could never figure out how to do that. Right. So there's certain frameworks that we have been taken out of that really can bring joy to people that we, they just don't want us to be a part of. Right. And so a lot of times you, you do really well 
what I've seen, particularly in community and saying, no, 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 no. This isn't a bad thing. You have to be able to, you have to come into the space to be welcomed into it because the reason why they want you excluded is because they figured out how to make it a good thing for themselves. Yep. And, and, and I noticed that for a lot of people, a part of the joy of the experience is, is the, the homogeneity, if I'm saying that right, mm-hmm, Homogen- mm-hmm. homogeneity of it, right, of, of a space being like, okay, we have a, an agreement, we're all appropriate, we all know how to behave, like all of these sort of um, made up narratives about who knows how to behave in a certain space, who deserves to be in a certain space, and how that's just sort of it just becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy. It becomes a vicious cycle, right? And just like you said, mm-hmm. where people people feel excluded and people, th- those first pioneers, I talk a lot in the work I do about how when we're, and this is what we're doing, we are still integrating American right. society. Yeah, exactly. Because white we're is not necessarily, is not necessarily for us, they were, they were black before, they were indigenous before, they've made them white, but artwork isn't white per se, but we've created, no. but they've created these white hipster spaces now. Like I think of like public art, it's like over all the hipsters go now and it's what, you know, development and uh, different developments in, in uh, different cities will use now to kind of build their population around art that's quote unquote public art right but like that's not mm-hmm. a white thing no no it's not and 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 it's there are so so many things like you said that that we can find joy in hiking is wonderful mm-hmm. looking at beautiful you know scenery and out in the woods and breathing the fresh air that's good for our health but mm-hmm. there's the there's what you mentioned earlier about safety, right? About how it's not safe for us to be outside a lot of times. And and we don't, and, and it may not be safe. We may live in a community where it's literally not safe to walk through the woods there. I mean, we may be in another community where, as we've seen, it's unsafe to walk around because somebody is is harassing you because they have decided you don't belong there. Right, so, right. Right, so it's really important to me to think about, okay, how do I stand in the middle and pull people towards each other so that when I'm pulling this person in, I'm not ignoring the person that's already inside because if the person already inside is mistreating that person, they're not coming back. It doesn't matter what I do. So I'm helping the person on the inside feel, okay, listen, this is for everyone. This isn't something that just you should experience. And you benefit from, from engaging with people who are unlike you. And that's something mm-hmm. that as black people, we've had to do that regardless. We don't, that's not a choice for us. So mm-hmm. we we know what it is to communicate with people from different backgrounds. So I think, yeah, it's been really important to me to, to connect and stretch those experiences. And I have developed, I feel like with a lot of effort, you know, and energy over the years, a disarming approach where mm-hmm. I come right at people like, we already know each other. We're good. Everything's fine. I don't enter a space like I'm afraid or right, I'm not right. sure if I belong there because people will eat you alive, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think a part of it is like, I belong here as much as you do. Let's go. Let, what, what are we doing today? What do we have going on? But I think also I, I like art and I know about art so I can talk about art, right? That mm-hmm. helps. Um, but it also, I, I can vibe with people who are seeing art for the first time. I just see people as people. And I and I mm-hmm. and I it's easier for me to pull off the facades that we put on to try to uh, avoid being vulnerable 
because I mm-hmm. do it myself all the time. I'm always trying not to be vulnerable. And that's a part of it too. Finding joy and connecting other people. So I don't have to deal with whatever I right. may be upset about. You know? <laughs> it's I true. Deal with my stuff. So I'm right. with y'all. <laughs> and changing the question to why do these white folks like this stuff so much? Right. And I think that's what you do well is AIDS is making to show that it's not a white thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not just a white thing. And what they're doing isn't a bad thing because it's white. It's the fact that we're we're all able to do this thing and we could do it in our own ways. That's right. Now, that's let's right. figure let's our figure out what's made it successful for them so then we could do it for ourselves. And that's yep. that's the point of, you know, I, I say there's a, a podcast called Earn Your Legion. They just, you know, we're having a conversation on capitalism and things like that. And for them, it was like they were talking about their journey. And it wasn't until they really understood the stock market for themselves on like, oh, this is how to play the game. So, yes, I do have to connect to these spaces in some kind of way. So then then I can do it for myself so then that we can build these spaces so that we can no longer see them as white spaces that we're not invited into but this these are the frameworks of which why they enjoy these things so much and we're going to make it fit for our culture and for who we are and that you know that could work across the board for for different cultures and so i think you you do that so well but it is also you are very good at seeing characters in people good bad and indifferent <laughs> right thank you, <laughs> thank you and that. so sometimes it's okay. I think when you're, you know, when you're finding joy, because I don't think it's necessarily just your joy for social justice that you do. I think you also help other people find their joy as well. Because one thing I can say that like you help me find joy in is speaking up for myself and, and how to do it well, because I usually don't have tact. I'm an Aries. So I'm like real direct and it doesn't go well. I have learned from you and watching you stand up for people, how to do it based on the character that you're dealing with. I'm grateful that that you took that in. For me, that's a big one. Standing up for people when I know something's wrong, especially if I know I have the ability to do something about it. You have to pick your battles. I know there's certain things like, okay, I can't do anything about that one. So let's just extract, let's remove mm-hmm. it, right? But then there's other situations where it's like, wait a second, no, this isn't right. Here's the information. If I have information, I'm sharing it because the old saying information is power is real to me. I've seen it in my experience and I don't, I'm not a hoarder of information because I understand that the world is abundant and and Mm -hmm. that's probably my connection to nature, right? To me, the world is abundant. Yes. We're, we seem to be heading towards the end of the abundance of the world with climate change, (laughs) but but the, you know, up until that last breath, the the world is abundant and I, I don't, I'm not threatened when other people are finding joy, when other people are being successful, when I'm saying, Hey, this is what I know. This is what I've learned. This is how much they should be paying you. This is what they're doing over here. Like, I'm not going to hide that information with the, uh, with the sort of, um, uh, a thought process of lack. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have an attitude of, Oh, there's not enough for all of us. There's enough for all of us. There's more than enough. So yeah, I want to help you win because I not only am I on my own track, but I literally find joy in watching you win. I want to see you win. And I have pure excitement for that. I don't have envy. I am thrilled. I love it. Um, You know, (laughs) I'm going to talk about you, even though we're talking about you right now. One of the (laughs) things that, and this is really funny because I thought about you yesterday in a moment where as you have many hats that you wear, you have, you have many dimensions, many languages. Dance is one of your languages. 
Mm-hmm. And I've seen you dance in many different circumstances in, in different environments under you know different conditions. And you have always been so in touch. When you talk about being in touch with nature, you're in touch with something so spiritual and, and incredible. You know how to open up a channel. It's like you just flip a switch and you open up this channel and you just start channeling the ancestors. You, you mm-hmm. just start channeling the universe. And to watch you is not like watching someone else move. It's it's different. And for me, in, in the times where right now I am out of balance and I know I'm out of balance and I'm seeking balance. I'm looking for the water. I haven't been to the water like I need to be. And that probably mm-hmm. has a lot to do with why it's taken longer for me to get there. But I thought about you and the times I've seen you extract negative energy out of your experience through movement, right? And I thought about that and it made me smile because even just thinking about that makes me feel like, yes, get it out, get it out. And I Mm -hmm. started to, to do it. I started to move to like, I thought about like how that's, that's a language that you use one of the many. And I thought, oh, okay, there we go. That's what I'm going to do because I don't have access to the water. I don't have access right now to nature. So I think it's interesting to be able to use tools that you've seen. Like when you talk about the things you've seen me do, I think about that and how I I say, okay, well, I'm going to take that lens and I'm going to use that because now I'm in the house and I can't go anywhere for 12 reasons, but I can do that right? In my own way, like you said, in our own way, our own lens, our own approach. And that's uh, the idea of taking ownership over something as a person where I I just, as Native Americans don't see anything as theirs. They see the Mm -hmm. ancestors in the trees and the birds and the sounds of the wind. I really connect with that of like nothing. How can we have ownership over something? So mm-hmm. when we're exchanging ideas and we're exchanging ways of connecting, there's so much I can learn from you and pull from you. And there's so much you can pull from me. Mm-hmm. And I see that even in people who present themselves as difficult or, yeah. present, or whatever they create for themselves that's based in fear most of the time, mm-hmm. I still can pull like, oh, I see what you're doing there. I see how you're navigating this. I can pull from that. I don't lock people out as potential sources of inspiration, even if it's Okay, that's how I never want to be. Right. You know, I never want to do it like that. That is a great example. So it's interesting how we do pull from each other and how we watch each other. And I'm aware that you never know what your impact is on somebody. So, you know, being present in each moment is so important, right? Because if we're present in every moment, we're 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 making the opportunity for that sharing and that growth the best it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're and present, me, you can't be fearful. No, no, absolutely not. It doesn't it can't even exist, exist at the same. Right. It doesn't even exist because if you're present in the moment, you don't have time to be to be fearing something. You're already in it. And you're there's, right. Like, I think no the, the, the idea of envy is really is really big. It also uh, abundance. Like so many people think that there is not an abundance of wealth. There's not an ab- abundance of information. There's not an abundance of of life, of nature. And, and you're right, climate change is real. So that abundance is running low if we don't pull it together. However, <laughs> what you're saying is just so, it's profound because I do think it's a practice that everybody has to discover for themselves. 
and everybody really discovers it in their own way, but you actually have to try it and get up and try it. And I think a lot of times envy comes from people that don't want to be actionable in trying or failing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yep. people always got, got something to say on. about somebody doing something bad until they got to do <laughs> right. it. I always say everybody want to be a leader until they become a leader and then they have to make difficult decisions. What? Hello. Isn't that the truth? Oh, leader that, you know, and, and when you make stuff look easy because you're smiling, people interpret that as like, oh, it's easy to do. I'm smiling as a choice. I could be right. frowning. That would also be a choice. It doesn't mean that, that this is easy. And I think you're spot on with that, that you're giving yourself an out to not try when you go, oh, oh, that person, they always get everything. Oh, mm-hmm. they like they're trying to whatever they're trying to say about like, oh, it's just because they were there with that person or at that time or because they live over there or whatever. They have this amount of money or resources, whatever. Right. And this idea of like, well, yes, in reality, nothing's fair. We, mm-hmm. we all have shortcomings and and we all end up in situations. We know some of us are, are real with ourselves about the history of this particular country that we live in and, and all the things that have been stacked up specifically against black people. Right. But mm-hmm. Okay. In spite of that, we've got choices. We can push as hard as we can, knowing that, yes, we do have to work harder for some things, you know, or we can accept that, listen, I'm not going to be a pusher in this life. I am going to be a person of leisure and I'm just going to accept what it is. I think those both are valid, to be honest. I think it's true. Whatever what are they calling it? Soft girl or whatever the, this trend is now where people are like, I don't want to be the, you know, put upon black person working hard. I'm going to have a, a gentle, soft life. And I'm like, yes, girl, do it. If that right. you, do that. My personality is such that it, that's just not my lane, but I think it takes all kinds. And I will gladly create things for you and your soft existence to show up at, to support to mm-hmm. patronize, you know, I will gladly do that. I don't need you to do what I do, you know? So I think the abundance in personas as well, abundance mm-hmm. in the idea of like, you're you, I'm me, this person's them. I'm okay with you being you. I don't need you to be something other than what you are. And I, and that's something I've always struggled with is wanting, wanting something for someone that they don't want for themselves. Yeah. And that's so hard to watch because it's just like, you are so much better just being who you are. Like, I like you so much better being who you are and not being a persona of who you think I want you to be. Mm-hmm. Particularly mm-hmm. when you're in leadership, because you can, I think a lot of people don't think that that could be read. It's and so it can. obvious. It's so it's obvious. So it's so obvious. obvious. And it's, it's, but I do think that's people that aren't in their joy because you can't have joy and not be authentic to yourself. Yes, I think they go hand in hand. I agree with that. Like you said, there's no room for envy. There's no room for guilt. That's a guilt is a big, a big one for me. Yeah. I struggle with that. Yeah. And that's connected to joy. When I feel joy, and I guess I I guess I sort of come to the side of it and I start to feel guilt that especially when a lot of times I'm I'm experiencing it alone. Like when I'm doing the nature mm-hmm. stuff, I'm usually alone. Yeah. And that's kind of how I like it. But then when I'm in it, I, I I guess I feel myself, I've gotten a certain amount. I'm like all charged up. And then I'm like, oh, I wish, wish other people could, you know, I start thinking about who doesn't have access to it. 
Mm-hmm. So that's my own work of like being able to experience joy and be comfortable with that joy and not need to give it away. Right, right. Because that's and that's the thing about the, the idea of like self-care, which I do think sometimes is overused because for me, I'm like, well, some of y'all need y'all to work in order to have self-care. Like I need you to work before we, you know, rest is a thing. Yes, but we can't be resting all the time. So that, you know, balance. that's a difference. There's a balance, yeah. right? And I say that a lot with my younger students. They're like, I just need to rest. I'm like, I hear you, but you ain't sitting, but you ain't do no work yet. Like I haven't <laughs> had no work. You late on, you know, so they're, right. they're like, so can there's... I start with the rest? It's like, what, right. It seems like you're resting from something. I thought rest was from or... <laughs> like after you, you know what I mean? You do the work and then, oh, I've worked so much. I've depleted myself. Now I need to recharge. But they're saying, no, I want to recharge first. <laughs> right, right. It's, and that's a different, you know, that's definitely a, a different conversation. But I do think it's interesting because I find, like they always say, if you want something done, go to busy people. And the rest are for busy people. And the guilt typically comes because we like to get things done and we want more for other people because we want them to work the same way that we work. And so we we have that guilt sometimes where we're just like, okay, come on, you try to give a bone, you see the potential and it's not coming out. It's particularly as a leader, when you see people working, you look at their potentiality and you're like, you are not, this is not it. And then you end up doing the extra work to do because it has to get done. And so, so that hard. guilt becomes difficult because at some point you got to let them go because you can't keep everybody that they, that they don't pull their weight or you have to have those difficult conversations you don't want to have. It's like, if you just did what I asked you to do, we wouldn't have to have <laughs> these conversations. And I think that's the hard part about having joy as a leader is that there's, it, it is so loaded and complex. And then when you're black on top of that, it, it definitely, the joy almost has to feel as if it's radical because everything that you have to deal with on a daily basis is so difficult. And then you got to deal with people on top of that, that work like, you know, they look like you and you trying to keep them, you trying to keep them and get them through, but it's, it, it becomes difficult. Because they're different than you a lot of times. Right. And and you're, and then you're struggling with that empathy of other black people wanting them to win, but you're just like, but <laughs> you're not really, you know, not always, but in some cases, like, how do I help you move forward? As, as that resonates with me so much because I do think about it, even the piece of being a Black woman and being in leadership situations and having people who, be, who it's clear in their heart that they don't feel like they should have to report to you mm-hmm. and having to navigate my own feelings about that, but also the reality that they absolutely should be reporting to me. There's no question about whether or not they should be reporting to me, but it doesn't matter if they don't believe it because they're going to behave as if it's not true. And so then that creates problems that don't have to be there. So that's, I mean, that's just a part of leadership in general, Right. When you're just dealing with however people feel, whatever people have going on and how that impacts their connection with you. But it's also just like respect the position, respect the relationships and respect that I've paid the dues. I've done the work, because in reality, if you have a black woman leader, she didn't get there because she didn't know what to do. Usually she's going to be probably triple qualified for what she's doing just because of how it works for us. So I think that's a, 
Uh, that's so loaded because that's it's the rep- having people report to you and not and not feeling like they need to listen to you. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts when you see people listen to people who who are white. And they, they are clearly comfortable. And this is people across the board. It's not just white people. Mm-hmm. Listening to someone who's white and, and, and or male. And even though that person often is not as qualified, knowledgeable, experienced, that person still feels comfortable reporting to them. And they don't mm. feel they, they want to see us, in my experience, a lot of times in a nurturing role, in a supporting role push me ahead, but you being the boss and me reporting to you and me taking hard truths from you is difficult for me because I only see certain people in that role. And that's a obviously a fault of society, but it's unfortunate that we bear the brunt of that in our professional experiences. So now the untapped potential, because we will leave, we'll be like, okay, I'm not doing this. The untapped potential in various organizations in various situations of, of not having the privilege of us being in leadership positions, the losses, the, the wasted efforts, right? Of just not allowing yourself to accept that we are very good leaders. We are clearly very good leaders in communities, in mm-hmm. organizations, but people get hung up on whatever has been ingrained in them about the position we're supposed to hold with relationship to power. Right, right. Oh, this is so good. I have uh, one question before we go to break. And that is, when did joy discover you? This is funny because I said that I discovered joy when I was a young person, but I think joy, I really think that joy has recently discovered me, maybe in the past couple weeks, honestly, because mm. I, I got back, I had gotten away from theater, creation of theater. And then recently I supported a really excellent director in, <laughs> in a really wonderful production. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, this is my happy place. And then, and then I went on board again as a director of a piece. And I went, oh, and being in rehearsals all the time and doing what, what I do. I thought, oh, okay. So this is really important. When some years ago, when I when I was doing administrative work, and I've always done administrative work and creative work throughout my career, but the past few years was the first time that I focused specifically and solely on administrative work and didn't do the creative work. Mm-hmm. And I thought I, I'm I'm very good at talking myself into things. So I'm like, I got this. I'm not doing the creative work. It's fine. I've been doing it forever. I can I can be away from it for a minute. I can't. I couldn't. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a good fit for me and it's okay. I'm, I'm remedying that that now, but I say that, that joy has found me because joy has restored creative work to my Mm. life in a really meaningful way. And so that's, so that's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Cause I do think we have to have both like people that are used to functioning as artists. There's something about Tabitha Brown said this too. She said, like, there's something that I always have to be giving. Yes. As an artist. So no matter what, you know, what else she's doing or what else we're doing administratively or in different inroads, because that's the thing about artists, particularly artists that can, you know, be administrators, 
is we're very good at a lot of things. We tend to be the best workers. And I, I know that sounds biased, but I always say it because we're regimented in a, in a lot of ways. Everything's very like time oriented. We have to be super organized, but then we also are allowed to be creative and spontaneous and have all these things that kind of, you know, people get in multiple people, but you have it kind of in one person. And so mm-hmm. I do think we have to feed that part of our souls in some way or another. Absolutely. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because I agree. And I think that we're very outcome oriented, right? Mm -hmm. Because there always has to be an outcome. There's always some sort of artistic project or piece or work. And it may, it may be in flux and it may shift, but it's a thing. It's a, it's a real thing. And people like, like us are used to creating things, but we're also used to getting rejected. We're used to Mm -hmm. having things, having a process, having a draft. Okay. That's not quite it. There's more. We're just not hung up. On, on things. We're not precious about these things. So we're able to go through a lot of different projects really fast and not get caught up in connecting them to ourselves. They're what we do. We're ourselves, but the work is separate from us. And I think we're just good at that, which puts us in a position where, like you said, I, I love that when you're saying, you know, if you want to get something done, go to the busy people because we're always so busy. It's true. It's like, we don't have it. <laughs> because it's like, well, all it's going to do if you at home and just still sit at home and do absolutely nothing, like nothing else is getting done. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so you always got to go to someone that's working and we're, we are people that just constantly are, are having to do things and get it done and move to the next thing, which a lot of times we do get bored sometimes with administrative work and getting things done because it's like, okay, did this done, knocked it off the task list. And at some point there's like no depth to it. Sometimes it just is what it is. And we're people that need depth, you know, we're people that need to kind of really feel the feels and understand what's happening socially and in society. And the joy and the joy joy (laughs) of that. And that's, you know, that is joy. And, you know, there is joy in the work. Absolutely. I agree. And I think we don't always connect to that, but we are going to take a break and for a commercial break, and then we will come back. All right, we are back. Yay, yay. I'm so I'm happy. loving this conversation. This is uh this is so good, so good. Um I have now time that we go into our four spaces of joy, our kind of quick round game. And for new listeners, uh in the research that I've been doing, traveling and, and interviewing people about joy, I found that it happens in four spaces that people tend to talk about play, community resistance and self and so Thimby is going to do the four spaces of joy four rooms of joy challenge so I'm going to run them down 
I'm scared. And, <laughs> and then you tell I'm me. Fear. I'm fear-based. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be good. They'll be good. They're okay. in they're okay. off the cusp. Everybody kind of has their own thoughts. So okay. when did you discover joy and play? Theater. Theater. Mm-hmm. You want one word answers or you want me to do a little bit of expansion? Oh, you can one word or you can. Okay. Yes. Expand it as long as you. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I'll say this. My first language of theater it was as an actor. And when I felt the energy between myself and the audience, that became so joyful to me. The idea that I could communicate a story that someone else was participating in as well. I had written things and stuff like that, but it was nice to be in the collaborative art form of theater. So yeah, the, the play of it, literally being in a play and, and the idea of how we all were playing and the audience agreed to play with us and they enjoyed themselves. And that, that was just very joyful for me. Yes. I love that. All right. What about resistance? Resistance. For me, the joy of resistance is fighting for those who need me. And Mm. I say that vaguely because different people need me at different times. I found myself making the personal choice uh, and sometimes being asked to fight for people of varying experiences and backgrounds. But in that moment that I'm fighting for them, it's because they don't feel that they can. Mm-hmm. And I and I mm-hmm. feel that I can. And so I do. So sometimes I fight for people who aren't a part of my group or aren't in the same position as me, because I would want somebody to do that for me. And I know people have done that for me, which is why I'm able to do all the things that I can do. I know that people have done that for me. And, and so I know how important it is. So that, so there's a, there's a joy to that. Mm. What about community? Okay. So community for me is so layered because I'm, I'm intersectional. And so like, <laughs> I want to think about the black community and, and the community of women and the community of queer people and the community of African-Americans and the community of black diaspora, diasporic people, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the community of college educated people and the community, like there's all these different communities I belong to the salsa community, which Mm -hmm. I love. And I always find wherever I go, I, the joy for me of community is being able to look in, in the eyes of someone I've never met before and make an instant connection because we get something. We both get it. Is it we mm. both, you know, there can be an experience. I can be in a space with another black person across the room and we're only black people and something happens and we kind of look at each other and start <laughs> laughing. Like, I don't know you, but we know what we're thinking, you know, in the same way that I can go to a salsa spot with anybody from any sort of ethnic or age background or gender or whatever. And they can say, would you like to dance? And I'll go, let's go. And we can dance, even though we've never danced before that moment, Mm -hmm. we can have this beautiful partner exchange. And when we're done, we can go, wow, that was great. Thank you. And then we part ways. That's a gorgeous experience, you know, and and, in the same way that I can experience community showing up for for someone, um, writing poetry and and performing it in support 
of trans women who mm-hmm. were murdered. And I'm not a trans woman, but I, I, I'm in the community of women mm-hmm. who who know that it's important to to wrap your arms around people who are vulnerable when mm. when you can. And so those are all things that bring joy to me, the ability to the ability to give, but also mm-hmm. to receive, being a part of a community and having someone give to me because they're like, "Hey, you member of this community, take some of this joy." And I'm like, "Thank you very much." <laughs> you know? So yeah, the exchange is very beautiful. I love that. I love that. What about joy in yourself? Joy in myself is about being grateful. I think as long as I am grateful and not feeling like I don't have enough, because I think when I start to come out of balance, the gratitude takes mm-hmm. a backseat. So I think when I'm finding joy in myself, it's it's the it's that gratitude because that connects to the nature piece. Whenever I'm out in nature, I'm grateful. I'm not preoccupied with other things and ignoring it. I stop. My daughter says, oh, mom, you like random things. You'll love this because you just like <laughs> random things. I'm like, I do. I like random things. If I'm on my way somewhere, I could, I might be late. If the sunset is looking amazing, I am taking pictures of the sunset. I am looking <laughs> at it, right? Like this person can wait. Hey, sorry, running 10 minutes late. I recognize that it's more important, right? I can weigh, all right, I'm going to make sure that this relationship is strong and solid and I'm going to support that. However, this sunset is the only one of these I'm going to see and might be mm. my last. So let me go ahead and take that in. Mm. It's those kinds of things. When I see something in the moment, I stop. Because to me, in the same way that nature can make us stop sometimes with these extreme weather events, I I stop on my own. (laughs) I stop on my own. So that's where I find joy Mm, in the self. I love that. I love that. How would you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as somebody who moved humanity forward in a productive way. Mm. Our whatever our collective consciousness is, I would want to have contributed to an opening of space. We are so much more alike than we are different and I would love to be seen as someone who bridged people, who bridged gaps, but also not blindly, not naively, but pragmatically somebody who who looked at the world as it actually was didn't try to create a fantasy world but say hey we are in this together if the boat is sinking we are all going to drown how do right. we figure out you know what i mean like we don't have to be besties that's not what i'm interested in but how do we coexist how do we navigate each other are there things we can exchange it's not zero sum for me so i want to be remembered as somebody who who did that i want to be remembered as somebody who brought joy to other people and made them smile and i'm grateful that i have been able to to contribute in a way that at any given time on any given day, I, I want to feel like I'm good. If this is my last day, then I'm good with what I did. I feel like I, I would have wanted more time, but I don't have to feel like, oh gosh, I regret that I didn't do this. I didn't call this person. I didn't make this connection. I did. I live life to the fullest. When people ask me about things that I leave, places that I leave, oh, do you miss that place? I'm like, no. I mean, I might miss people, 
right? I might miss people, and but 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 I don't even miss them because if I miss them, I'm gonna call them. The, right. the only people right. I'm truly gonna miss are people who I cannot call, people who are who are gone from this plane, right? Yes, I'm gonna miss people I've lost. But if you're alive and you have a phone, I'm calling you if I miss you. I'm not gonna right. sit around and miss you. I'm gonna DM you, I'm gonna find you and be like, I was thinking about you. What's up? What you got going on? Right. So in a place, I'm not gonna miss it. I'm gonna go see, like, well, I haven't been home in a while. I haven't been here in a while. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm an action-oriented person, so I don't sit around and imagine. I just do it. So mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not gonna get to a point where I feel like, oh, I didn't get to do X, Y, and Z. I'm doing as much as I can, and I'm at peace with that. And and yeah. that's you know that's that's enough for me. Mm. Oh, that's so good because I think a lot of people are not action-oriented. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And Especially you know, when it comes to oh, presence. Like yeah, there's something yeah. about like, like then be for folks that obviously some of you may know or some of you may not, but for folks that don't know Thimby, it's very clear when Thimby's not there. So when Thimby is like running something, <laughs> you miss Thimby when she is not there. Like there is something about like the presence that I think you look for others when you think of them is a the presence that I think you have, which is why you look for it in others. Thank you. Thank so you. So that always makes me think of you. If you could share a joy practice for our listeners, what is a practice that you would give them in joy? I'm going to have to to say find nature. Mm. Find nature. I'm going to say stretch. I'm going to say and and it's weird, right? I'm trying to get, oh, I'm going to get my fitness together and everything. But even the stretching is important. So mm-hmm. so for people who are like not ready to to move that much, just stretch. There's something about opening up your body that's that's very joyful. And I and I find it it's, it's a beautiful feeling and it get it centers me very well. Um connecting to people you care about. Really just, mm-hmm. hey, how are you? We we don't have to talk about anything deep, just checking on you. What's up? Just letting folks know that you're there and letting folks know that you're thinking about them, I think is an important uh, part of joy because it, it keeps preserving in a way those those relationships and reminds you that you're not by yourself. You're connected to other people. And, and that that makes a difference. Those are practices of joy. Uh, again, finding nature, finding the water, finding a little place where you can walk, where you can listen to it, record it if you want for later. I've done that. Uh, look oh, at a little bird so hopping around. Mm hmm. I got that from from an artist, uh, a, a few artists. I'll just say there's a few artists who have who have talked about. Oh, you should record this. Oh, this sounds really beautiful. I'll record these sounds, mm-hmm. and I hadn't thought about it. Even though I've listened to a million recordings with sounds, and I even use them to go to sleep a lot of times, I hadn't thought about if I record my own sounds. And doing that, I have to say, there's something really special about listening to a recording that you made of nature. So I think so. If I could say a practice. Maybe we'll put that at the top of the list, right? Like mm-hmm. record nature and then play it. You know, we've got all this technology. It's easy to create a loop of it. Play it in a loop back to yourself and listen to like, oh, that's when I was at the lake or that's when I was, you know, in this place. There's something really calming and, and it creates that presence in that in the moment feeling because you're like, I did that. Right. Oh, that's so good. I'm definitely going to yeah. have to do that when I yeah. get some water outside of cold buffalo new york in the winter time right now <laughs> water does sound like ice is crackling right ice. <laughs> well with, you know with climate change our, our lake hasn't frozen yet so we're there uh, <laughs> so 
everything on point. <laughs> what is the joy song? What is what's a song that gives you joy that you can share with our audience? So the song that gives me joy is the song I was named after, Tembi by Pharaoh Sanders. It is a really, really beautiful song. I'm not saying this because I'm named after it. I'm saying it because it is 100% true. It's a gorgeous jazz song and mm. it doesn't, there's no vocals, nobody's singing over it. It's saxophone and, uh-oh, now, um, piano and some drums, some other instruments, okay? <laughs> but saxophone <laughs> mainly, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful song uh, in the 70s, which is when I was born. And, and I, that's my joy song. When I hear that song, like I have it on playlist, sometimes it'll shuffle through and I'll just be like, oh, it always brings up a certain feeling in me. And I've listened to it, of course, all my life. And there's something that brings me back to the center of like, okay, this is, it's like a musical manifestation of what I aspire to be. I want to be the physical human form of that beautiful song where I bring that kind of good positive feeling. I want to bring positive energy and vibes to people. But I also want to, I mean, the, the, there's elements, if you listen to the song, there's elements of just like little moments where you're like, was that a mistake? Was that a was that supposed to happen? And I love that because it's like it just is what it is. Right. You don't need it to right. be perfect. It just is. And you're just present. So yeah, that's my joy song. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Simbi. I'm so excited. Please share where folks can find you and learn more about you and see your work. People can learn about me on my website, thembiduncan.com. So it's my first and last name.com, T-H-E-M-B-I-D-U-N-C-A-N.com. Check me out. Yay. And this is Joy on the Alive Podcast Network. We are so excited for Thimby to be here with us and looking forward to learning more about you. Thank you again. Thank you.